بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم In the name of Allah the most beneficent the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger We continue the <coughs> explanation uh, and the discussions on the book Umdatul Ahkam and we have reached uh, hadith uh, number 7 hadith number 7 and uh, this is class number 8 <coughs> and in this hadith an humran mawla Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu anhu anna Uthman da'a biwadu'in fa'afraga ala yadayhi من إنائه فغسلهما ثلاث مرات ثم أدخل يمينه في الوضوء ثم تمضمض واستنشق واستنثر ثم غسل وجهه ثلاثا ويديه إلى المرفقين ثلاثا ثم مسح برأسه ثم غسل كلتا رجليه ثلاثة ثم قال رأيت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم توضأ نحو وضوئي هذا ثم قال من توضأ نحو وضوئي هذا ثم صلى ركعتين لا يحدث فيهما نفسه غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه Humran, the freed slave of Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that Uthman, or I saw Uthman call for a vessel of water and poured water over his hands three times and then washed them. Then he put his right hand in the vessel and rinsed his mouth and cleaned his nose. Then he washed his face three times and his hands up to the elbow three times. Then wiped his head, then washed his feet three times. Then he said that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, <coughs> He who performed ablution like this ablution of mine and offered two rak'ahs of prayer without allowing his thoughts to be distracted, all his previous sins would be expiated, would be expiated. <coughs> now the narrators of the hadith, two narrators, Humran, Mawla Uthman ibn Affan, Humran, He is a trustworthy from the tabi'een, from the successors to the companions. And he was a slave whom Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu freed. So he moved to al-Basra in Iraq and he died there in the year 75 after Hijrah. 
in the year 75 after Hijrah. The second narrator is Uthman ibn Affan bin Abi al-As bin Umayyah al-Qurashi al-Umawi Amir al-Mu'mineen, the leader of the believers and the third Khalifa and he accepted Islam earlier at the very early stages of Islam <coughs> on the hand of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he immigrated the two immigrations <coughs> and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam gave him in marriage his daughter Ruqayya and when she died he gave him in marriage her sister Ummu Kalthum the Sahaba all are in agreement <coughs> or were in agreement may Allah be pleased with him with them all that he was the third Khalifa and this is also the consensus of Ahl Sunnah and Imam Ahmad Rahimahullah said من طعن في خلافة واحد من هؤلاء فهو أضل من حمار أهله anyone who rebukes the Khilafah or test the Khilafah anyone who rebukes the Khilafah of anyone of these Khulafah then he is more astray than the his household donkey the Prophet bore witness for his martyrdom and gave him glad tidings in paradise and he took on his on his behalf the pledge of a radwan he took the reign of the Khilafah in the on the first day of the month of Muharram the year 24 after Hijrah and he was killed as a martyr after Asr on the day of Jumu'ah the 18th of the Hijjah and he was buried the night of the next of, of Saturday from the same week in the year 35 after Hijrah and his grave is known in Al-Baqi' in the cemetery of Al-Baqi' may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him to the hadith now the subject the subject of the hadith the subject matter of the hadith explaining the manner of wudu of the Prophet alayhi salatu wassalam the manner of ablution taken by the Prophet alayhi salatu wassalam the overall explanation the Sahaba <coughs> may Allah be pleased with all of them were most keen to teach the knowledge and to dissipate the sunnah and to advise the ummah 
and since teaching by way of action is faster in comprehension and more precise in its effectiveness and in explaining the matters well, that's why Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar Uthman called for a vessel to demonstrate and teach the people how to perform the wudu of the Prophet and so he started by washing his hands three times because they are the tool for washing the hands are the tool for washing and this washing of the hands is an act of worship without any doubt because the Prophet ﷺ did it as worship and thus it is worship started by washing the hands because it is the tool for washing the rest and therefore the tool needs to be clean then he ﷺ put his right hand in the vessel and rinsed his mouth so he washed his mouth and sniffed water into his nose and expelled it these three things are called madmada washing the mouth madmada and the sniffing of the water making the water go into the nose is known as istinshaq and the expanding of it cleaning it out is known as istinfar so these three matters are meant to purify the mouth and the nose and in this hadith there is no evidence that he وسلم, put his fingers inside his nose to clean it rather only there is the istinshaq taking the water inside the nose and expelling it out then he then he washed his face three times and the face is defined by some of the scholars to mean the lateral front from the ear to the ear and lengthwise from the place of growth of hair of the head down to the cheeks and chin and some of the scholars defined it as 
from the place of the where the forefront bends and this is more precise because the place of growth of the hair differs so from the bent area on the forefront all the way to the lowest end of the cheeks and chins then he washed his hands up to the elbow three times up to the elbow this means up and including the elbow then he وسلم, wiped his head and the head limits extend from the side of the face where the forefront bends and its limit from the back side is the neck and from the lateral sides is from the places of growth of hair and in most people these are the same then after that he washed his feet three times and in narrations to the ankles meaning in covering the ankles then the Prophet then he informed that he saw the Prophet making the same wudu he performed the ablution like this ablution of mine and then he related to us the hadith of the Prophet at the end when he said he who performed ablution like this ablution of mine and offered two rak'ah of prayer without allowing his thoughts to be distracted all his previous sins would be expiated all his previous sins would be expiated the benefits of this hadith number one first benefit the merit of Amir al-Mu'mineen Uthman may Allah be pleased with him and his keenness to spread the knowledge and the sunnah Secondly, the humbleness of the Sahaba, the clear humbleness of the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with all of them. And this is taken from the fact that Uthman, the leader of the believers, in charge over all Muslims in the greater Syria area, in Egypt, in Iraq, in Yemen, in the peninsula, a great nation, he is their leader, yet he calls for a vessel to make wudu in front of the people so that they examine that by their own eyes and there is no doubt that this is great humbleness. Third benefit 
the teacher should take the closest and easiest ways and means leading to understanding of matters and their establishment with the people addressed and this is taken from the fact that he made them practically observe <coughs> this matter of wudu because the practical application leads to affirmation and establishment of the matter taught and it is more profound than saying and it's more precise in understanding the meaning of what's taught the fourth benefit anyone who intends to conduct an act of worship for Allah's sake and also intends with that to teach the people this does not diminish his ikhlas, his sincerity and in accordance if a person intends to teach the children the salah, the prayers if he intends to teach them the prayers and then he makes a complete salah from the beginning to the end without intention but to teach them only without intention of worship but to teach them only can we say this is allowable or not we say if he partitions this and breaks it and says to the child raise your hand in this way say subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik recite the fatiha and talk to him then tells him make ruku' make sujood this is no problem with this however what's best is to make it an act of worship for him to benefit and to benefit others now fourth benefit It is allowable to wash the hands three times before wudu. It is allowable to wash the hands three times before wudu. And the evidence lies in the fact that Uthman, may Allah be pleased with him, did that. And he said, I saw the Prophet ﷺ making wudu the same as mine. Is this washing considered obligatory or sunnah? The answer, it is not an obligation, rather it is a sunnah. And the evidence lies that the evidence that it is not an obligation lies in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 6. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, idha qumtum ila salati faghsilu wujuhakum. Oh, you believe when you intend to offer salah, wash your faces and your hands, forearms, up to the elbows. And he did not say, wash your hands. The wisdom behind washing them is that they are the tool for action, for the cleaning the rest of the parts of wudu. And from the benefits, benefit number five, it's, it's not conditional to associate the ablution with istinja, with washing the private parts. And this is a very much common mistake. It is not conditional to associate the wudu with the washing of the private parts, which is called istinja. Because some people think that you cannot make wudu unless you wash your private parts. This is wrong. Yes, of course, if there is urine, if there is feces, yes, this is something obvious. But we'll say if there is nothing. This is a mistake. Istinja objective is to clean the place and it has no relation with the wudu whatsoever benefit number 7 is the istinshaq putting water in the nose and expelling it istinfaq and madmada washing of the mouth is that wajib, obligation, and obligation or sunnah. There is difference of opinion. Those who said that it is not an obligation, their evidence is based on the fact that it is not mentioned in the verse of ablution, And other scholars said that it is wajib, and this is the correct opinion. Why? Because the Messenger ﷺ continued doing that, and he told in the hadith of Luqayt, he told him, بَالِغْ فِي الْإِسْتِنْشَاقِ إِلَّا أَن تَكُونَ صَائِمًا Thoroughly make istinshaq, sniffing of water into the nose to clean the nose, unless you are fasting unless you are fasting now this madmada istinshaq benefit number 8 madmada istinshaq they are part of washing the face they are considered part of washing the face because the action of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained that which is general in the Quran by doing so and because the nose and the mouth 
are in the face so in reality they are in it and therefore the ruling applies accordingly and this constitutes the response to those who said that this madmada and istinshaq are not wajib because they were not mentioned in the verse so this is the response that the nose and the mouth are from are truly part of the face Tenth, uh, the ninth benefit washing the face three times as to the madmada and istinshaq it did not mention the three times in this hadith but in other hadiths it mentioned that they are done three times washing the mouth and the nose from the benefits is wiping the head wiping the head <coughs> wiping it with the hand but suppose <coughs> a person wipes it with other than the hand like a cloth would this be suffice? the answer lies in the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said where in the action described the wudu of the Prophet then he wiped his head this necessitates that with anything that brings forth the wiping would be sufficient and it is as such so therefore if a person wipes it with a cloth then that is suffice benefit number 11 the wisdom of sharia the wisdom of sharia and the mercy of the revelation concerning the legislations pertaining to worships these parts with no hair on them and where man does not is not harmed by the water they are washed they are washed as to the parts where there is hair and where it may be harmful to wash they are wiped instead otherwise we know that in general most likely that the hair is the place for accumulation of dirt and uh, lices and lice and the like more than the face and the hands and therefore it needs ghusl washing but because of the difficulty the wiping is made is legalized to be sufficient from the hurt which may be caused by washing otherwise the water that may remain <coughs> in the hair may be harmful to the person 
and may bring him colds during the times of winter. And if he washes that, water will drip to the rest of his body. <coughs> and make dirty his clothes and garments. And there is difficulty in that. Now if someone says, why is it then that the ghusl in Janaba is legalized? Why in the state of Janaba sexual defilement? Ghusl is obligation, is an obligation. The answer is that the filth of Janaba is more intense than the that of the hadith of the ritual impurity due to defecation and urination and that's why it is permissible with the latter that you may wipe over or on the hoof the leather socks or the socks and you and that it is not permissible for you to do this or for this to be done in the state of Janaba of sexual defilement because it's more intense in terms of its ritual impurity and that's why the Junub the one in this state of ritual impurity is not permitted for him it's not permitted for him to recite the Quran otherwise it is permissible for the one who have the lighter type of ritual impurity and accordingly its purification became more intense and accordingly its purification the purification of Janaba is more intense than the former ones described concerning urination and defecation which is lighter the benefit that comes next is number 12 washing the feet all the way including the ankles the 13th benefit the teacher should relate what he knows to the sunnah how is this concluded because Uthman may Allah be pleased with him if he would have done the wudu that would have been sufficient to teach the ummah and it would have been sufficient for him to say this is the legal wudu that would have been suffice but he said رَأَيْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ تَوَضَّأَ نَحْوَ وُضُوءِ هَذَا I had seen the Prophet ﷺ making the same wudu of mine so the teaching person should relate what he knows of the knowledge to the sunnah of the Rasulullah and from this there are benefits the first benefit is his strength affirming his strength regarding the knowledge <coughs> and that he didn't say that this is 
you know, I'm not saying this is from me, but it is all the way to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The second benefit, the one receiving the knowledge will relay that this is from the Sunnah of the Prophet and this way the following of the Messenger becomes more manifested. The third benefit, loving the Prophet and renewing his remembrance in the heart. Because whenever a person does something from the Sunnah, he brings to his heart that he is following Muhammad and therefore the remembrance of the Prophet will be renewed continuously in the heart. And this will lead to the increase in his love. This matter we say this matter concerning those who teach the people and similarly we say it for in, to those who worship Allah that if you worship Allah through an act of purification or salah or the like then try to remember and bring forth the following two things why, while you are conducting the worship number one sincerity to Allah that you are doing this for the sake of Allah secondly the following in order in this way that you live the presence of the testimony of faith shahadatu an la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammadan rasulullah and we miss this to a great extent and sometimes if we remember it's only a few times from the benefits benefit number fourteen taking into consideration the order between the parts of wudu such that you don't do the latter before the former in the order and number 15 making sure to adhere to al-muwala al-muwala meaning washing each part directly after the previous one leaving no time gap in between this is known as al-muwala Washing each part directly. Washing each part directly after the previous one, leaving no time gap. In the order we mentioned, the ordering 
of the parts so you, you don't introduce the last part before the previous one and here you make sure to adhere to al al-muala meaning to follow each part directly without uh, time in between each washing leaving no time gap and this is the correct opinion and the scholars rahimahumullah consider al-muala in accordance with the way it is done or understood traditionally others however had defined it as or limited it to not delaying the washing of a part such that the previous part dries before under a medium or under weather conditions that are neither cold nor warm medium so I repeat waiting not to wait wish to wash a part until the previous part dries under weather conditions which are medium between the two extremes between the hot and between the cold weather yeah because you know that under hot conditions the parts may dry quickly and under cold conditions the drying may take some time especially if the, 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 uh, the weather conditions are moist and the like so that they consider the timing the appropriate timing is that under neither cold nor hot conditions the medium one in cases where this may not be possible let's take an example suddenly someone while making wudu the water stopped while in wudu so he left to another place seeking the water so should we tell him now start from the beginning or continue from where you reached what's apparent is that we tell him continue build up upon that where you had reached because this person feared Allah to the best of his ability case a person making wudu and athna al-wudu while making the wudu he finds filth on his garment on his clothes 
So he began, he started washing it, and then he missed the muala. He missed the condition of muala because he busied himself now removing the filth of his garment or his clothes. He missed the muala. In this case, he starts all over. Because removing filth has no relationship with wudu. And take another case now. If he begins to make wudu, and while doing it, he finds on his hand a spot of um, paint, a spot of paint on his hand. And he starts removing it with his fingernail. But he couldn't remove. So he went looking for gasoline or thinner or the like of chemicals to get rid of it. By this time the muala has gone. He lost his muala. Now, should we tell him now to start all over again or continue? The answer is continue. And what's the difference between this case and the fifth case earlier one? The earlier one. So the answer here we tell him continue. But now what's the difference between this situation and the former one? The answer is, the paint issue is related to the worship itself, to the worship, to the wudu itself. However, in the case of removal of filth, it is unrelated to the worship, meaning the wudu itself. And this is the difference. So, if there is filth on the feet, a filth which prevents the water reaching the area, in this case there is no doubt that Al-Muwala is not disconnected. Why? Because in this case, he will be, this will be busying oneself, removing that which prevents from the establishment of wudu. And thus it is busying oneself in wudu itself. However, if this filth does not prevent the water from reaching the place, then in this case, it affects 
the muwala if he busies himself removing it and the previous parts dry then in this case he is not he did not establish the wudu because it did it, it in the first place did not stand to block the water from reaching the area so if he now makes wudu and he has filth and it does not prevent the water from reaching then the the wudu is sahih is correct benefit number 16 that the person who makes the wudu should perform two rakah should be keen to perform two rakah two rakah striving not to distract himself through that because the Prophet said in the hadith without allowing his thoughts to be distracted and that this is from the means for forgiveness of sins because the Prophet said غفر الله له ما تقدم من ذنبه all his previous sins would be expiated there is a sub-benefit here and that is affirming the causes and that causes have influence and this is the truth is this influence however out of its own essence or it is due to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put therein from that which leads to the influence certainly the latter one and this covers the legal causes or the natural causes or the physical causes two extremes in this regard first extreme those who denied the causes and said whoever affirms causes for occurrences then he is a mushrik because in this case he had set up a creator besides Allah this is the first extreme the second extreme went to the opposite they affirmed the causes however they made the made the cause independent meaning its influence being totally from its own essence and the correct opinion is that the one who made them causes is Allah and that their, the ability to 
the ability for their influence to occur would be blocked by hindrances by impediments take for example the the fire the fire certainly and the fire burns but then its burning influence could be blocked by certain coatings whether this coating of of the of the human body or of any other thing and that's why when Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah debated one of the Sufi masters of the Batta Ihiya order a certain Sufi order concerning matters of deen this Sufi master challenged Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and told him we shall set up a fire and you and me would or you and me should go in there and the one who is not burned by it will be the one on the truth and the opposite is true Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said Naam Yes Ana sawfa altazimu bihada I shall abide to that However with one condition That we both go to the river and Wash ourselves there Before we step into the fire Why did Sheikh al-Islam put this condition? Because he knew that this person coated himself with a layer that prevents burning. And that if he would wash himself, then that coating will not be effective anymore. So that man was defeated and he told Sheikh al-Islam this is not of your business and he declined. So the point to be made here is that the causes are influential in that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put therein. And therefore when there are pediments then the influence may be taken out. And it is obvious to all of us, it is known what had occurred to Prophet Ibrahim السلام, when his enemies set the fire 
a great, great, great fire. But when he was thrown therein, and as Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, and his father said, Ibrahim alayhi salam recited the following verse, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil, suffice for us is Allah, and best trustee, and best to put on trust and rely upon is Allah. So Allah was his, was the one who sufficed Ibrahim alayhi salam, and he, Allah, the Most High, said to the fire, commanding it, قُلْنَا يَا نَارُ كُونِي بَرْدًا وَسَلَامًا عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمٌ As in Surah Al-Anbiya, chapter 21, verse 69. O fire, be coolness and safety for Ibrahim. So, its burning influence was taken out. And not only that, but change to coolness and safety. So what is the cause that we are discussing here in this hadith? It is the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, مَن تَوَضَّأَ نَحْوَ وُضُوءِ هَذَا ثُمَّ صَلَّى رَكَعَتَيْنِ لَا يُحَدِّثُ فِيهِمَا نَفْسَهُ غَفَرَ لَهُ أَوْ غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ he who performed ablution like this ablution of mine and offered two rakah of prayer without allowing his thoughts to be distracted, all of his previous sins would be removed. So here taking by legal means. Now, this hadith requires further explanation to the last part of it. All his previous sins would be expiated. Would this be comprehensive, covering minor and major sins? As to the generality of the statement, it's there. Meaning it is comprehensive. Because, غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا And ma indicates comprehensiveness. However, many of the scholars, meaning the majority of the scholars, they said that this comprehensiveness is specified to indicate that it refers to the minor sins. This is specified by the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he said the five prayers and the Jum'ah to the next Jum'ah and Ramadan to the next Ramadan are expiators to that which takes place between them as long as major sins are not conducted or as long as major sins are avoided. So, the opinion of the majority of the scholars, by way of analogy, it is closer to the truth. 
and the former opinion of comprehensiveness is closer to the wording of the hadith and the person should say Alhamdulillah I shall do this prayer and avoid distraction therein and I hope in the reward of Allah and I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives all my sins this brings this discussion to this hadith to its end and it is based upon the discussion by our Shaykh Muhammad al-Salih al-Uthaymi in Umdat al-Ahkam and also of his thorough discussion for the same hadith in Bulugh al-Maram Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wa sallallahu ala Muhammadin Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa